This is Drive Time Prop. 30 minutes of jam-packed, up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. In your feed by 4 p.m. Eastern Time, this is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story continues to be the Epstein suicide and the conspiracy theories that are swirling around it. It just does not leave the front page, it seems like to me. I have a few updates. Just want to make sure everybody knows the latest, even though I am not getting sucked into the quicksand of competing conspiracy theories like so many people seem to want me to be. Uh, I know the number one thing, which just absolutely was just too obvious, in my opinion, was I was listening to Fox News earlier just in my car. So I didn't actually see what, what they were showing. But the way it sounded like to me. Actually, I think it was Fox Headline News, which might just be on the radio. It said they talked about the alleged suicide, which they never do. There are stories that are absolutely not in evidence, and they never say alleged. But they said the alleged suicide of Jeffrey Epstein. And they play a clip of Bill Barr saying this. This is the entirety of the clip they played after they said that. Any co-conspirators should not rest easy. That's what Bill Barr said. And then then they followed up. So I'm thinking, holy crap, like he thinks there's a conspiracy to have killed Jeffrey Epstein and he's announcing that from the podium? Like, wow, (laughs) I was floored. And then they follow up to say that he uh, was, they just go on to read the kind of entirety of his quote, which was uh, the, he was shocked at, uh, I think I I closed the, uh, the tab, but he was shocked at the, possibility of foul play, the irregularities at the jail, and that uh, they'll continue to investigate his crimes and co-conspirators should rest, should not rest easy. So he was talking about Epstein's co-conspirators, but he absolutely nestled that in questions about foul play at the jail, which Fox then nestled in the, the provocative alleged suicide. And I found that Interesting. I got a few more Epstein things, but you got any, did that come across your radar? The stuff that I've been seeing has been a lot about what Bob Barr said and a lot about how they found him with a bedsheet around his neck hanging from the top bunk. Bob Barr? But, no, not yeah, not Bob Barr. That would be a story. <laughs> I That'd know, I know. Just kidding. I found the rules and regulations manual for that correctional facility, and I looked up some stuff from the past about that place, and it really is hard to believe that he would have been able to commit suicide with the way that they keep those cells apparently there's like nothing that you can hang something on on the bunks at least that's what they say and the sheets are apparently so the fabric of them is so thin and weak that they can't hold someone's body weight so it does seem like it would be a very difficult thing to accomplish and apparently only one person has successfully committed suicide in that facility in the past 21 years yeah and a lot of people are trying to get uh the the theme out there that this is just another sign of gross government incompetence. But here's the thing. The problems in the in these systems and the prison system is not incompetence, it's corruption. So they cut corners and all that stuff. And if you've ever seen corruption in action or these bureaucratic uh, Tammany Hall type things, they are extremely careful about high profile stuff giving the right impression. They are all about CYA. They're all about don't say anything or we'll kill you. They are not about allowing something like this, their opportunity 
to dispel rumors of corruption to prove them instead. I am not buying that incompetence theme at all. Yeah, I noticed that too, and they're talking in the news as though this is a surprise, as though this place had a stellar reputation before. Like They're saying it had a great reputation and that this is a shock. I did some research on this place. No, it didn't. It had a terrible reputation. It had a history of corruption. Not long ago, there was like four officers or four correctional officers who got in trouble for raping inmates, beating inmates, and who ended up in prison themselves. His cellmate was a former police officer. I don't know if he worked at his correctional facility, but this facility had a history of corruption. Yet for some reason, they're acting like it had a stellar reputation, and they're just now learning about this corruption. Well, it's possible that that in itself is feeding into another tributary of conspiracy theory that's getting people off the the path. I mean, in, in that other, there's like two other one one like follow on to the whole feeding the beast of the dialectical conspiracy, the competing conspiracy theories is that in that Fox News report they mentioned that Nadler, I guess Jerry Nadler, whatever his name is, that he's the, I guess he's a congressman. He, he's been making the news lately. You know who he is. He asked, he had a list of questions and he asked if the executive branch, the executive branch played a role in the decision to take Epstein off of suicide watch. Oh, so it's a Trump body count conspiracy. Yes, exactly. Did Trump personally pull the trigger on this guy? So I was reading the prison manual for this place and Epstein was in the part of the prison where People go and they're in protective custody when they fear for their lives and uh, gen pop. And he was in a place where he was going to be waiting until I guess he gets approval or something. There was some process they had to go through. Then he would then be moved over to like a softer prison where all the sex offenders go. You know, and they're all happy to be there because, you know, everybody's a sex offender there and everybody the other places hates them. But the part of the prison he was in is just horrible conditions it's like a gulag the way that it's described it's they're in there 23 hours a day there's no sunlight they're caged like animals basically and i did some research on the effects that this has on prisoners who are in there and it does have a profound psychological effect on them it breaks them down and it makes people it messes with their psyche and it makes people suicidal so i do believe that he might have been suicidal i'm just having a hard time believing that he was able to get it done the way that the cell is set up because they do all these preventative measures to try and prevent suicide. Like, even when there's people that aren't watching all the time, they talk about how the guards didn't go watch as frequently as they should have. It still seems like it would be difficult, even if there wasn't always constant supervision, at least difficult to do it the way that they say that he did it from the top bunk with the thing around his neck. Which, by the way, part of the story now is that the person who was whose job it was to watch him at the time of his death was not even a corrections officer. They don't say who he was because the people talking are speaking on the condition of anonymity, like they're the mainstream, like they're a source for the mainstream media. But they just all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, the guy who was watching Epstein at the time that he died, he wasn't actually a corrections officer, so I guess he wasn't trained. And we just we just kind of threw him in there, you know, we grabbed somebody off the street. If he wasn't a corrections officer, who was he? What was he, an assassin? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what they're saying. Well, there was a, another layer to the confusion in the narrative that came across my screen from the AJC, and I don't know if it's sometimes I can read the articles and sometimes I can't. I don't subscribe. And I could read this one, and I, I like in the back of my mind, I often wonder if the articles that you can read are the articles that are absolutely critical for official narratives. Like, even, no matter what newspaper or whatever, they blast them for you to read without a paywall if they really need the message to get out. I don't know, and I tend to kind of 
just think of the AJC, although I can, I mean, I think they're liberal and they're associated with WSP or, or that they're not actually part of the Google News Initiative, I don't think. So, or whatever, the cabal, they're not owned by one of those those big ones. I don't know. So sometimes uh, I think, well, they are because they're owned by Cox. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily it. I just know that their fact-checking operation is partners with some of these, uh, you know, questionable fact-checking operations. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, they're owned by Cox as well. Like, I know yeah. that's a big media company, but it's not the huge media company. It's not, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah okay. I, I don't have any, I don't read them and think, oh, this is true. I just think they might not, like when they had that stuff about the mayor of Atlanta yeah. getting people inserted into the Atlanta airport, it never went anywhere and I knew it wouldn't, but I was kind yeah. of surprised that they printed that. I mean, that was pretty serious. Oh, yeah, yeah. They definitely have a lot of good stuff sometimes. Yeah, sometimes they do. So I'm just saying I don't read it and just say this is definitely a piece of the dialectic. I just read it first and then wonder where it's coming from. And that's what I did in this case. And I do think it's part of the whitewash and a bunch of other stuff. Like, I do not think this is just honest to goodness, you know, or they're duped by the guy. But there's an Atlanta lawyer who was the AJC article today was about an Atlanta lawyer who saw Epstein recently and was going to see him again. He said uh, he wasn't fired up about being in jail. It was stressful, but he did not seem suicidal to the guy that this lawyer was trying to help. I believe he said trying to help Epstein get off of suicide watch, which I I wondered why until you just told me that maybe it's a miserable place to be. And then finally, the kicker was that lawyer said everyone's innocent until proven guilty. And I was going to fight this with a mind to winning. So they're rewriting it. It, You know, he didn't include the fact that the detective in Florida who is now dead at the age of 50 was sick and devastated when the feds gave this Epstein, this deal because there, he had never seen so much overwhelming evidence of so many distinct crimes of sexual exploitation of, of underage women, girls, however you want to call it. I I don't call him a pedophile. He's post adolescent. So it's something a little different, but in any case, I think the entire like this and like Dershowitz just came out saying like, this all just proves that the accuser is a total liar and all this kind of stuff. Like they're definitely whitewashing and rewriting. And I have one more thing on Epstein, but you go. Go for What's it. your response? Okay. So the last thing was I, I noticed that I was thinking about it and I was like, who is in this guy's will? He has no girlfriend, no kids, no wife from what I could tell. And I thought, you know, you wonder since Wexner was all the money was Wexner's Wexner was distancing himself last week, just before Epstein was found dead. Wexner was like, he took $46 million. And then in the side, in the fine print of the article, it said there was found a transfer from Epstein to Wexner in the amount of $46 million. But Wexner said that wasn't a repayment of the money he took. Like it was very weird because it was the same amount. I just think there's all sorts of funny business. It just seemed like a fishy article. And then, so I was wondering, okay, did he have a will? What are his real assets? Are they just going to pay off all of these accusers and just say, hey, man, you can take the money or you can take the lead shoes? Like, what are you going to concrete shoes? That's how it works, supposedly, in these hire. But anyway, so today in the journal was an article uh, about his brother. I never even knew he had a brother, and and he definitely bears resemblance to him. So I'm thinking it's his his brother on our show. Mark Epstein? Yeah, he was the one oh, that was on remember. the plane with Trump when Trump flew back. 
Oh, that was his brother. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't really remember that, but I knew he was with somebody. Yes. Okay. And do we know anything else about this guy? I don't know anything else about him, but I did see something briefly. I, I think it's what you're about to say. Yeah. He was found uh, in this article. It says that his brother has a tiny fraction of the amount of wealth that Epstein had. And his involvement is, you know, un unclear and seems tangential. Yet when they talk about this guy's assets, I mean, here's just one one paragraph out of the article. It says, Mark Epstein told Crane's New York business last month that he bought the 16-story condo building on East 66th Street from Mr. Wexner based on a tip from his brother in the early 90s. At the time, records show the building carried a mortgage of $7 million. That's 20-something years ago, 25 years ago at least. A current valuation of the building is almost impossible to know, said Jonathan Miller, president and chief executive of Miller Samuel, an appraisal firm. That is, it's almost impossible. I could probably tell you in 15 seconds. <laughs> a, a rough approximation of the value of a New York apartment that was mortgage, had simply had a mortgage on it, which isn't even 100% of its value, 25 years ago of $7 million. So that, and that, that is enriching Mark Epstein. Uh, uh, in relation to Les Wexner, who is supposedly the source of all of the Epstein wealth. And there are other things that um, mm. Epstein, this Mark Epstein is connected with Wexner. And you know, I, I'm assuming it's his wealth of financier, financier's brother is also hard to assess as the title. But then I started thinking a couple of months ago, or even just weeks ago, when, when, they started popping up these articles about that. Oh, maybe he wasn't a billionaire after all. And I kept saying, Oh my gosh, I've been saying that for yeah. years. And they call you know, multi mega multimillionaires. Now, they, they yeah, now they're changing. And I feel like that stuff was, oh, this is why I think this very long-term psyop, like this particular chapter of the psyop, I believe has been in operation, been planned out, set in motion uh, at least a year ago, if not more uh, that, that stuff about his finances, I think perhaps they were starting to put a little doubt out there because they don't actually want to have to pony up. And and it mentioned in this article that in the 2010 deposition, he was asked, Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, if he had fraudulently conveyed some assets so that they would be untouchable by these victims, and he refused to answer. So, I mean, he would because that's like asking if he committed a crime, but uh, I'm just saying, I have a feeling that his money is just going to have evaporated. It was it was probably all transferred out ahead of time. And maybe even there will be some little side stories about how Trump similarly isn't worth that much. Now he is, I think, because of the D.C. post office. But that's just I just see some of those those, um, you know, goblins floating around in the background and wondering where they're headed. One final thing on that. In that prison manual, it does talk about requesting to go into the witness protection program. It doesn't tell you how or what they'll do. Does it talk about faking death or anything? Doesn't say the specifics of it. It just talks about it. it says you'll get a new identity. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, one more thing is that when I believe that the stuff I've been seeing, maybe what Barr was referring to when they talk about co-conspirators ought to be not resting easy. The reference I saw to that yesterday was that it was pertaining solely to the New York crimes that he was arrested for, which meant to me that it was not pertaining to that plea deal, that illegal plea deal that covered up for so many people. So I think that's a little 
wrinkle here that you might get excited thinking that co-conspirators should not rest easy, but I so, think yeah, that is a right. misdirection. So it's not going to uncover the ones that were in that plea negotiation letter. Which is all you ever wanted to see. And you know what? It might be in those in those documents. It might very well be in those documents. And every time somebody digs in, I think you and I should probably do some searching for some names we might expect to find there. Anytime that stuff pops up, it'll be on page six or the back page or whatever, buried somewhere. I got a feeling that some of those names might be the same names that are in the plea negotiation letter, which were vouching for him to get that sweetheart deal. Yeah, maybe. For, well, but uh, Bill FD... Richardson and George Mitchell weren't weren't in that, right? So there's got to yeah, be they're... more than just those names. But yeah, yeah those yeah, would yeah. be the names I would do a search for within the documents when I get finally get to see that cash. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for the Epstein stuff. All right, so a top story this morning was about Chris Cuomo, the blockhead CNN host known for his flirtatious crosstalk with Don Lemon, was caught on camera flying into an outrage at a man who had called him Fredo, which is apparently an insult referencing Fredo Corleone, the weak brother in The Godfather. The guy called him Fredo. Cuomo asked him if he had a problem. The guy said, what are you going to do about it? Cuomo threatened to effing ruin him and throw him downstairs, and he later went on to compare calling him Fredo because he's Italian to calling a black person the N-word, which is probably not the best comparison. I did see the Cuomo video because you sent me a link to it or whatever. It was shocking. Yeah, yeah. He definitely looked like he was roiding out a little bit. I think if he were next to a wall, he would have put his head through it, ripped his head out, looked around and shouted, who wants some? Because he was kind of losing it. He seemed weird. Yeah. You think it is literally roiding out or just a, like, I don't know if he's literally roiding out. I mean, he might be. Maybe, but if someone asked me how I thought Chris Cuomo would react in some sort of confrontational situation, that's about what I would imagine. Cuomo threatened to throw him downstairs, but the guy did provoke him, so Cuomo didn't start it. So you don't think the guy really thought his name was Fredo, like he claimed? No, the guy, the guy, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who did it was a provocateur. He was trying to, the guy who did it was a provocateur. He was bird-dogging. He was trying to get Cuomo to punch him in the face or something while he had his friend ready filming it so he could get a viral video to promote his YouTube page. I would disagree with you that that's how I would expect Chris Cuomo. I only expect Chris Cuomo to react that way because he's completely cordoned off and in the mainstream. I mean, the the Roy thing was actually the right uh, idea because growing up in New York, in that environment where people talk and act like that back in the day, I think there were basically two kinds of people, guys who had muscles they got in the gym and acted like they were fighters and guys who were really fighters. And I think of Chris Cuomo as a guy who knows he's got bodyguards standing around. Yeah, that's definitely true. And that guy also knew that Cuomo wasn't going to hit him because he was on camera. At least he didn't think he was. He probably wanted Cuomo to hit him. But the thing that was interesting to me about that story wasn't any of that stuff. The thing that was interesting to me about it was the way that Fox News reported it. Their headline said this. CNN's Chris Cuomo seen an unverified video cursing at man who apparently calls him Fredo. When do you ever hear unverified video in a headline? You don't. That's a new thing, and we're going to see more of it. Verification is what the process is, is what they're calling the process that the Google News Initiative is using to teach people how to verify whether videos and photos online teach newsrooms, mainstream media newsrooms, whether what they see is a legitimate video or not. And I, so I, I think that. Did you see my text to you when you sent me that screenshot? Oh, I don't think so. Read it. Is it in front of you? 
No, it's not in front of me right now. I just texted you back. You sent me the screenshot, but it didn't have a link. I said, I said, I can't click through to that video. Is it a deep fake? Oh, yeah. See, that's what that's where I was going with this. I yeah. don't think it's a deep fake, but what I no, think is, I looked at it. It's, I don't think so either. I, I well, I honestly don't think we'd be able to tell if you looked at that video I've tweeted of um of Bill Hader doing impersonations. Yes, yes, that, that yes. You can't tell. You oh, it's crazy. That was cool. Crazy. Yeah, you cannot. That's the best deep fake I've seen. You can't. That's far better than that Obama one. It's so and, subtle. Oh, totally. And there's that's just that's not even every. You know, they don't. That's I've been telling people like they, they they are so far advanced to anything they will let you see. Yeah, and so with this Cuomo thing coming out, that deep fake spreading around yesterday, and the use of unverified in that headline, I think that they're condition they're going to start conditioning us to to hear that term. Verified video. This this video has gone through the verification process to give the, give it that sense of authority, that sense of trust. And I think we're leading up to the point of where we're going to see a story that has some controversy in it that is then it turns because someone in the media is going to expose it as a deep fake. I think we're approaching that. We're approaching testing phase because if they're going to roll this out and use oh, it. Oh, you think the Chris Cuomo thing is a deep fake? No, I don't think it's a deep fake. Right. Okay. I don't think it didn't fake. look like it, but you're right. How no. can you tell? Yeah, I think they're using – I think they threw that in the headline because I think they're conditioning us to hear that term, to, to evaluate it. This is it so messed up. <laughs> and, and interesting, there are so many stories in relation to deepfake yesterday. Another article came out that says, in fighting deepfakes, mice may be great listeners. Mice. Really? There may be a new weapon in the war against misinformation. <laughs> mice. As part of they the, can tell the difference between a fake voice and a real voice. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's that is what the actually. Yeah, how did you know that? It says that as part of the evolving battle against deepfakes, videos and audio featuring famous figures created using machine learning designed to look and sound genuine. Researchers are turning to new methods in an attempt to get ahead of the increasingly sophisticated technology. At the University of Oregon's Institute of Neuroscience, where one of the more outlandish ideas is being tested. A research team is working on training mice to understand irregularities within speech, a task the animals can do with remarkable accuracy. I have to ask this question. If a machine is the thing responsible for the fake, doesn't it stand to reason that its own parameters are recognizable by its uh, that kind of a machine? Well, I, all the mice program the machines <laughs> that that would make sense All right so if a mice comes knocking at your door it might be fbi could be yes or if it looks like a mouse maybe it's a deep fake <laughs> fbi oh my so, goodness you got another story oh well i did want to point out to people about the um couple of stories i had from yesterday that i heard five Grizzly bear stories in the news in <laughs> in five days. I found uh, one that actually I heard on the news and could not find online. I don't think you could find it online either. I know I heard it. There's a chance there was something screwy with that report, but it was that a woman walked into her bedroom and found a man spooning with a bear who I guess the guy thought it was his wife, which makes no sense. But I did look up man spoons Ugh. bear and there was a guy who domesticated a bear from cub and yeah. they used to spoon. Yeah. So, I've seen those videos. Just, yeah. It's not, it's not like, of him spooning of him playing with it. I've seen the bear spoon him and it's like the most sickening. Like you're just like, get out of there, get out of there. <laughs> like, 
like it's the scariest thing. Yeah, he takes that thing in on Thanksgiving and lets it just rip a turkey apart in front of everybody. It's going to be bad when he kind of loses – when he's just playing with somebody and rips somebody's arms he off. He died. The oh, the bear, bear did? died, yeah. Oh. I know. He died of cancer. So, uh, But I did see like a bunch of other stories. A bear got locked himself into a car and tore it apart. A guy fought off a bear who, while he was trying to save his son, a bear smashed through the wall in a Colorado home to escape cops. There's just, there's just a few, it reminds me of death by falls. There's been a lot of, now these things always happen. There's a lot of bear attacks, a lot of deaths by fall, but I never noticed them hitting the national news. You probably could put them in certain seasons in the news every single day. And I didn't used to see them. Now I see them. And AJ tweeted at me that, uh, he saw like gas uh, explosions killing people, m- like all of a sudden being reported like crazy. It's just I always want to watch out for these things because yeah. I, I feel like they don't come up for like the Dominican Republic and all those supposed deaths there. Well, there have been a lot of stories today about Trump easing restrictions on the Endangered Species Act. I sent you an article about it. I know the one I sent had birds in it, but there were also articles talking about bears as well. The funny thing about that article was the picture that you sent me, the picture on the top of that uh, article was a bald eagle, and the bald eagle isn't on the endangered species list anymore. Uh, Trump's taking out the bald eagle. I know, but they it just shows you. It's like facts are facts, but truth is truth. They took the most charismatic, most uh, charismatic megafauna, as the environmentalists say, is the most charming thing that can get you to to stand behind a cause, the most American of symbols, and and Trump is going to destroy that. But it's not true. That's not even a, a relevant species. I want every bald eagle dead. You have the full he resources think we of the air force. That to what we eat for Thanksgiving, bald eagle. Bald eagle, and then we'll take on whatever the Russian national bird is. <laughs> so Harry Reid demands an entire a crane filibuster. The Senate is a graveyard. The future of our country is sacrificed at the altar of the filibuster, the former Senate Majority Leader wrote in the New York Times op-ed. So Indivisible says get rid of the filibuster. Harry Reid says, get rid of the filibuster. And that's the one thing, uh, one of the few things that really distinguishes, I think, if I recall correctly, uh, American government is that we really try to protect minorities because, you know, everybody has rights. Mob rule, majority rule, it can be tyrannical and abusive. Yeah, and for those who didn't catch it a couple days ago in the podcast we did, I think last Thursday, we went through a really intense propaganda email from Indivisible where they called to have the filibuster removed, and they gave all these to do action to-dos to their, their people for it. And then this week we have Harry Reid coming out echoing that theme, so that's going to be something we continue to hear more of. And it was so obvious with Trump that – the Democrats were going to take the legislatures and that getting rid of the filibuster is a terrible idea because it's just going to serve Democrats. Can I tell you the Russian national bird, I would say, is also extinct because the Russian national bird is the two headed eagle. Oh, wow. So I would say they are no two headed eagles. <laughs> yeah, I think that Not would probably get shot if somebody saw that. That would probably definitely be a target. Yeah, put it on Putin's wall. OK, keep going. We had the Stacey Abrams story from The New Yorker yesterday, t- today from Vogue. Can Stacey Abrams save democracy? And then it goes on to give her background and, you know, just build her up like the other one does. And it says, Abrams is still surprised at how much people like her. There's something about the commonness <laughs> the club, of my Stace. story. Yeah. 
that resonates <laughs> in the averageness of some of my aspects, she laughs. And not in a bad way, but people can see themselves in me. She tells me she's a, she's single and terrible at date. Can you imagine being on a date with Stacey Abrams? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. Yeah, that that's doesn't sound like it's in her uh, wheelhouse. But Franny tweeted that, like, yeah, she's ordinary. She's, like, right. common, grassroots. I mean, if you look at those crazy – I mean, she was literally trying to upend interfere with the elections in Russia – decades ago i mean this chick right, is, yeah. is absolutely born into the deep state which reminds me of this last article i have can i insert that go for it it's that nsa is recruiting teens it's this big story about how 150 high schoolers are in a top secret program in maryland their names are withheld for security reasons and uh it's the top secret clearance that one of the students said is a golden key that opens up all sorts of doors in the future of course they are quote getting a jump start on their future careers and it talks about how it just mentions they're like, oh, we're not sure we'll go back to work there after college, but it's definitely a possibility. It gives you a leg up. And then in one throwaway line in the article, it says they are paid as full time employees throughout their college career. So they're recruited in high school. They're full time NSA agents or employees during college. And then they're released into the wild, supposedly, with an expectation of always being at the NSA. And that just so dovetails with all of the people I've identified as creative persons, from Stacey Abrams to AOC to Jim Comey, George Soros even. I would even say Mick Jagger, Jim Morrison. I mean, there's just so Zuckerberg, Bryn, Gaga, Anderson Cooper, all these people, Ghislaine Maxwell, Hogg, Fidel Castro, yeah. Obama, all of these people – uh, you can find evidence of their deep state connections from before they were adults. And I've been I've just been inferring it. But now it's clear that these that teens are recruited as government agents, spies, whatever you want to call them. You've been talking about that a long time. I, I want to read uh, a little bit from that. This uh, this Abrams article, it goes it goes at the towards the end of the article. It says, um the writer says, I got around to asking the question so many have asked, will she run for president in 2020? Abrams said, for me, the calculus is, am I the right person? And is this the necessary time? Abrams says she has been meditating on what she can bring to what she considers an already solid field of candidates. The, de the day um, the, of the interview, she held meetings with Beto O'Rourke and uh, Pete Buttigieg. And she spoke with both of them about the same thing. First, I expect candidates to talk about voter suppression, Abrams says. The second thing is that the South has to be part of any strategy for victory. My mission is to ensure that Georgia is seen as a competitive state for the general election. Oh. Now that explains it. I mean, the few purple states, Ohio and Florida, were always the only ones that really mattered. Yep. And it concludes, the article concludes by saying Abrams is not the leader of a state or country yet. But she's already acting like it. Exactly. And I want yep. I do want I want to get this one quick article yeah, in, go for in it. case anybody has uh, mm -hmm. dogs. There three dogs died within hours of playing in a pond due to toxic algae yesterday. And the Where? culprit this was in North Carolina. The culprit, a veteran said, was poisoning from blue algae present in the pond where they played. And uh, they told CNN the, – the dog owner told CNN that she didn't notice green algae at first, but her veterinarian told her what what appeared to be debris from flowers were blooms of 
cyanobacteria. <gasps> Cyanide? That's what it sounds like. Wow. It smells like that, yeah. And like it's bacteria that produces cyanide. Yeah, she said she didn't see the si- any, any warning signs of toxic algae near the pond, which sits, sits next to a popular walking trail. It's her mission now to erect signs about toxic waters and warn pet owners. And it says the toxic algae, the blue-green algae is the most common in the summer. Toxic algae blooms are more likely to infest bodies of fresh water when the weather is warm and waters are stagnant, according to the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Some algae blooms leave a film or of muck on the surface and make the water ruddy, but others are difficult to immediately detect, such as blooms in the pond where Martin's dogs were exposed. There is no cure for the poisoning, and it's almost always fatal to dogs. Drinking from the water where the blue-green blue algae lurks or licking it off of fur can kill them um, in a very short amount of time. So watch out for that if you have dogs and you're taking them out for a walk. And that, I think, wraps it up. You can find your drive time prop every day at 4 p.m. at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform. We'll talk to you next time.